Hello, hello, and welcome to the podcast, the main event 365 podcast made by musicians who love football, specifically Detroit Lions football. I'm your host, Main Event Mike, joined as always by our producer, Mr. Russ Wayne. How's it going tonight, Russ? (laughs) Man, it could be better, but we're going to talk about it. Darn right. Uh, We're going to start this show the way we do always. We're going to take a look back at the Lions' last game. Uh, And it has been par for the course. We are coming off a loss. Lions fall to the Miami Dolphins 31 to 27, and their record falls to one and six and bottom basement of the NFC North division. 31 27, Dolphins come in, pull it out in the second half because the Lions have a complete collapse in the second half. Tua Tungavailoa throws 29 for 36 for 369 yards, three touchdowns, while Jared Goff went 27 for 37 for 311 and one touchdown. No turnovers by the offense, but a total collapse on defense. They couldn't stop Miami at all. Their incredible duo of wide receivers, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell, ran crazy on us uh, in the secondary. 20 catches, nearly 300 yards, two touchdowns all over the place. What are your initial reactions from this debilitating Lions loss, Russ? Uh... Jalen Waddle and uh, Tyreek Hill are really, really good. That's yeah. my initial reaction. It's like, wow, boy, like we need to send a memo out. The minute that somebody figures out how to stop these guys, they, they need to like send an email blast out to the rest of the league because these guys, are they create speed mismatches that are unbelievable. This Miami offense is for real. And our defense is the opposite of whatever, you know, real is uh, un- unreally bad. Our secondary, uh, they, they, they couldn't cover the guy with no legs, right? It, it, it was just, it was awful to see AJ Parker just getting torched. Like there was no, there was no answer for the deep. Uh, the offense played a really, really good game. Uh, as far as one half is concerned, but then, you know, they only had, th- I think they only had like three possessions in the second half. And uh, first possession was like, you know, 30 yards backed up and it, it just wasn't good. Uh, another poor performance out of the Lions. My uh, initial reaction was half of it was awesome. And the other half was the opposite of that. It's It's kind of been like a broken record this season. Um, they can't seem to put two halves together. Uh, we talked about it Monday on the main stage, um, and it's really, really getting old and tiring. Um, and then, of course, with the trade news today at the trade deadline, the things that the Lions did uh, kind of feels like maybe they're not trying as hard this year to win this year. But let's talk about the Miami game. Let's stay focused on that. Um, you know, we, we usually do a who's to blame here. Well, the Lions decided who was to blame, and they decided it was secondary coach uh, Aubrey Pleasant. Uh, Flint, Michigan native Aubrey Pleasant, uh, fired by the Detroit Lions. Um, his uh, unit was specifically bad on Sunday um, with uh, Amani Oruarie, uh, A.J. Parker, these guys just getting torched. There were a couple of bright spots. Kirby Joseph forced a, a fumble, uh, but but the, the secondary looked terrible. Um, there's a, a a comical 
picture out there on the internet of Aurorie lined up a, a yard past the football in, in on the Miami side of the field. And it's just like, what are you thinking? Um, and, you know, I invite all of our listeners to always, anytime you can head over to the YouTube channel and watch uh, this broadcast. And you can see these pictures our great producers putting up. And he's put up that picture of Amani looking down the line. He is one yard into the Miami backfield. I mean, how do you do that? I mean, look how at do that. You do that? How, who is responsible for that? <laughs> how can, and he's even looking in the picture. He's looking right at the camera. He's looking right down the line. How do you look down there and not realize that you are lined up on the other side of the ball? You think I'm good, guys? Hey, 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 does anybody see where I'm? Hey, <laughs> I mean, come I, I on, mean, man. Someone has to be to blame for that. Somebody, I mean, I mean, if Aubrey Pleasant had to go out onto the field and go, see this, it's the two yard line. See this, it's the one yard line. The ball is on the one yard line. Therefore, you cannot be on the two-yard line. <laughs> How hard is that? Come on. That's just bonehead. And the worst part about it, this happened twice. In a row. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, this, this, this uh, picture isn't a single incident. This happened twice. Someone has to be to blame for that. Obviously, um, some heads were going to roll. and Unfortunately, it had to be Aubrey Pleasant. Um, I believe that they lit a fire under Dan Campbell and said, something's got to give. Uh, Brad Holmes did not, as we said many times, Brad Holmes did not hire Dan Campbell. He did not hire this coaching staff. So when you've got egregious things like that going on in the secondary, um, it's not really that surprising that, you know, uh, you know you've got to be held accountable when you're the coach. Um, Aubrey Pleasant, do you think he was a scapegoat, though? I mean, was was it legit? Or was it a scapegoat? I think it comes off as a scapegoat, but, you know, the rumor has it that he went kind of commando in the game. And, you know, if you're not a team player, it doesn't really matter how good you are as a coach, that it's going to create a problem if you're going to go against what the, 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 the whole big plan would be. So if that's true, then to me, it's 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 a no-brainer. I don't even know if they had planned on getting rid of anybody, but if he was doing that, you got to go if you're not going to be with the big plan. Um, but, I mean, I could see it being a scapegoat because, to me, in my opinion, you shouldn't fire anybody year two. And I don't care about any of that 1957 stuff. I just know that they started this in 2020, and this is the second year of this rebuild so you don't pull the tires off with the coaching but somebody had to pay for it so i i think from the outside it looks like a scapegoat but like i said if he was in there messing with the game plans and going rogue then he had to go then in that case he wouldn't be a scapegoat i mean we could Correct. sit here and talk about hypotheticals had the defensive secondary not played so poorly would aubrey pleasant still have been fired well, if the defensive secondary hadn't played so poorly, we would have won the game. So we right. wouldn't be having this conversation and we wouldn't need a scapegoat. Um, but I think it's a little of both. I think it was warranted just because of how poorly his players were playing. They let him down. Yeah. And then he he had, I mean, you're one in six. You've got to at least show the fan base you're doing something. 
So I think in some respects, he was a scapegoat when you look at it in that context. So anything else to add about uh, Aubrey Pleasant, Russ? Well, what what I wanted to say was like Dan, even in the presser afterwards was, I mean, he spoke glowingly of, uh, of Aubrey Pleasant. Like he's done some stuff. Like I remember last year when he was in this, uh, this was during the San Francisco game, this picture where, uh, you know, he he kind of got into Okuda's face and, you know, and jarred some of this and pulled some of this greatness out of him. And I think that Jeff Okuda, Tracy Walker would have that they're going to have to thank Aubrey Pleasant a lot because I think that their development and them being as good as they are at this point has a lot to do with his coaching. Right. Jeff Okuda, one of the few bright spots, he actually did play pretty well, even though both of these receivers were torching as something that you alluded to was it seemed to be they were throwing away from Okuda. If they put Okuda on Waddle, then Hill got the call yep. and vice versa. And um, wouldn't you do it? I mean, you're the coach, right? So yeah. you you would be like, hey, uh, like the Okuda's pretty good. Why right. even test that? So let Hey, when you're out there, uh, Tua Tagalova, how we ever say his name, Tua, I would just say Tua, like just throw to the other guy, throw to the other guy, find the yeah. other guy. And he did it very well. Yeah, because, you know, Okuda is, is shaping up to be a, a, a real solid NFL cornerback. Uh, the rest of those guys probably wouldn't even make another NFL team. The offense did look good in the first half. They came out on fire. 14 nothing, 21 7. They kept this lead, and then at halftime, they were up 27 17. You and I were high fiving. That's we were right. In the line we were, we were high fiving, having a good old time. And then you and I took a run. We, we, we left and we came back, and the wheels came off. Yeah. Did, did we ruin it? Was it us? Should we have not left? The, the 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 lines then maybe it was on us i feel like it i feel like uh, if we if we hadn't left it it might have been different yeah <laughs> no just kidding no it just seems like they they, they run this script kind of predict that it's going to happen when they went into the first and 30 when you, you and i were driving in the truck and it's like look man here's the here's the drive where they completely get derailed by uh just offensive mistakes and putting himself behind the eight ball and then they had the, the 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 referee drive where you're you're looking at a couple calls and and that's where we're at on the timeline anyway. So I don't think it's going to be uh you know anybody's too surprised. But here we are on the timeline. We got to complain about the referees a little bit. Yeah. Uh, di- didn't you see what I saw when we were driving down with Goff and he was trying to move the into the hurry up offense and everything like that. And, and there's the, the, the referee just kind of dragging. And I was like, wow, God forbid we'd want to catch him off guard or something or do the hurry up offense because you're not letting us do it. What do you think about that? I know we're off topic a little bit, but what do you no, think about no, that's that? Right. The, the announcers even said that one of the defensive players had kicked the ball and that's what the delay was. Well, really? <laughs> 99 times out of 100, that's a delay a game penalty on the defense. So why wasn't that called? I mean, as Lions fans, right. we're used to complaining about the refs, but there were some really bad well, ones. There was a third and 18. The Lions stopped them, and there was a, an illegal contact. To, to this day, I cannot find any footage of that play anywhere on a replay, anywhere on YouTube. I can't find 
a replay that shows what the penalty was. The plot um, thickens. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. So that was a third and 18. What happens? They score on the very next play. Yep. And what is that? A four point swing? How many points did we lose by? I was, I'm just curious. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, we lost by four. The, the offense did look good for the first half. I mean, they were on fire. They could seem to do no wrong. Um, on the Dolphins' first drive, our defense, Kirby Joseph, the rookie safety, forced a turnover, uh, recovered by Malcolm Rodriguez, the rookie linebacker. And after that, Miami scored on every possession yep. the rest of the way. Um, the Lions came out in the third quarter with a 10-point lead and had probably the worst drive in franchise history. Uh, started with three penalties, two by Panay Sewell, uh, surprisingly. Yeah. And and the penalties just kept coming for the Lions, and the wheels just kept coming off for the second half. I, I I'm ready to put this game in the in the rear view. Usually we talk about the last game a little bit more than this, yeah. uh, but I, I I'm just so I'm good with that. Disgusted <laughs> by it. I mean, we do have some positive takeaways that we want to uh, uh, highlight. Why don't you get us started on bright spots for this game for the Lions? You, you want bright spots? I'm gonna keep on going down this tunnel right here. Is Brad Holmes is the bright spot? Anything that Brad Holmes has touched is the bright spot for this team. So you just alluded to that 10 seconds ago where Kirby Joseph forced the, the turnover and Malcolm Rodriguez recovered the fumble. Aiden Hutchinson looks pretty good. I think that he was taken out of this game and so were the defensive linemen because of their style of play. Yeah, I mean, because you're, Tua you're, gets the ball out so quick, right? He just gets the ball out quick. I mean, it, it wasn't like that on every single play. They definitely do need to get home and play better, but their scheme did take them out of uh, of the game a little bit. Um, but no, the rookies. I mean, look at uh, across the board. You know, Panay. Well, then we just talked about how Panay Sewell had two false start, but for the most part, Panay Sewell has been rock solid. Aline McNeil has been good. I had a uh, Derek Barnes signing uh, a sighting in this game. Uh, it seems like everything that Holmes has done, like when you're looking at future, like 2023 and beyond, you know, some of these guys may not be here next year, but those guys are going to be here and they're going to be contributors uh, for this team going forward. So I that's the bright spots for me is the future looks good. Brad Holmes looks good. Yeah, uh, definitely. Every week when we talk about positive takeaways, it seems like we're always highlighting this rookie class um, that Brad Holmes has put together. Um, and we really see he really seems to be a good evaluator of talent. We're getting a lot of punch out of our rookies, a lot of bang for our buck, and that's that's great. I think some other um, bright spots in this game, Jeff Okuda played pretty well. We touched on that. Yep. Um, Jared Goff wasn't goffle. He wasn't <laughs> terrible. Last uh, possession of the game for the Lions on a fourth down, he made a bad throw. Josh Reynolds almost made a spectacular catch to get it. Uh, a lot of people on the Internet today are rehashing that play, saying Lions should have ran it. But if you go back and look at the replay – Everyone was covered. Everyone was co Amon Ross St. Brown covered. DeAndre Swift on the backfield covered. TJ Hawkson covered. He had to make a play. If he was a little bit more mobile, you know, if, if we had Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson, we'd have got that first down. It was only fourth and two. Fourth and two. And he throws it 30 yards into the end zone. And it was a bad throw. Um, Josh Reynolds had a step on the defender. 
He's heading to the right. The throw comes to the left. He has to adjust on the fly, make a diving catch. Not good. But Jared Goff, other than that throw, I can't put this loss on Jared. Um, he's not the one creating all these penalties. Um, he looked pretty solid. So I, I, I believe it or not, Jared Goff gets a bright spot for me. I like so, it. So that does it. Let's it's put that 3127 loss in the rearview mirror. Put a bow on it. It's over. Lions lose to the Dolphins. We got Green Bay coming at home next week. Before we take a look at that Green Bay game, though, I'd like to remind everyone to head on over to our YouTube channel, smash the, that like button, and please uh, comment and like all of our content and try to keep the main event 365 going. 365 days a year, we are bringing you Detroit Lions content. Before we look ahead to next week's game, we're also going to talk about the trade deadline, which happened today. And the Lions were a major player in the trade deadline drama, dealing former first-round pick, former 10th overall pick, TJ Hawkinson, to division rival Minnesota Vikings. There's been a lot of speculation. There's been a lot of misinformation on the internet today about what the details of the trade are. So we're going to give you the straight poop right from Adam Schefter. Lions get a second-round pick in the 2023 upcoming draft. They also get a third round pick in the 24 draft. They also give up their fourth round pick in the 23 draft and a fourth round pick in the 24 draft, which is contingent if the Vikings win a playoff game. If they do not win a playoff game, that becomes a fourth round pick. If they do, then it becomes a fifth round pick uh, that the Lions will have to give up. So I want you to give me your analysis on this TJ Hawkinson trade what the Lions got, what they gave up. Tell me, Russ, who won this trade? I, I think they wait, actually – Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Uh, Homer alert, Homer alert. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I think they both won the trade. I think that TJ Hawkinson oh. fit, fits uh, what, what the Vikings are doing right yeah. there and that they're ahead of the division. Right now, they have a clear lead. They're making a run because I think that they believe that they can make a deep playoff run. And I actually can kind of back that up, too, because the Vikings look pretty good. And with TJ Hawkinson, they're going to be even better. So I think it works for the Vikings. It also works very well. So I would actually lean to say that we got the better end of the deal because we got draft picks. And not only 2023, but 2024. So you've spread your talent across two years. So I, I like that deal. I like the fact that it's performance-based because that fourth-round pick turns into a fifth-round pick if they don't win a playoff game. So they got protected on that end. And right here, I want to caution all the – since I'm a homer, all of the SOL people out there that think that they needed to get a first-round pick for TJ Hawkinson. Are you crazy? I mean – I'm not an SOL fan, but I also know what SOL is. And what SOL is, is drafting a tight end in the first round. Now, just because we are dumb enough to do that, it doesn't mean that the rest of the league is going to be dumb enough to trade a first round pick to get him in return where his production has been uh, average to below average at best through his entire career. So a second and third round pick, Another great move, I believe, by Brad Holmes and working on the future. He did not draft 
TJ Hawkinson. I think that has something to do with it also. So I think that we won the trade by a little bit, but it's going to work out really well for the Vikings too. Wow. I'm, I'm proud of you, Russ. Uh, you, you, that was a very good take, very objective take. Um, definitely pointing out that the Vikings did pretty well in this trade when you consider that they are six and one, and this could be a complimentary piece, a statement piece to add to the team that just might push them over the hump and give them a deep playoff run. So kudos to Minnesota. I think it signals though, for the lions that they don't expect to win this year. That this, I mean, what the what the Minnesota Vikings record is is totally irrelevant to the Lions. They're trying to build something here in Detroit, and whatever the the, the Vikings are doing is irrelevant to that. And the the uh, opponents to this trade will say, "Well, now you're going to have to play T.J. Hawkinson every year." Not necessarily. He might not stay in Minnesota. They're going to have to pay him if they want him to stay in Minnesota. And uh, don't forget that second round pick that we're going to get, they're going to have to play against that second round pick as well against us. So I think that goes both ways. Uh, their starting tight end, Herb Smith Jr., did suffer a, high, suffer a high ankle sprain. So they filled a need. So kudos to them. They get one of the top 10 tight ends in the league. Um, and and that really adds to their offensive fire, firepower to go with Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. Now they have Hawkinson, the tight end that leads the league in yards after catch. Uh, they're going to be much better offensively. So I think that the unknown is what we're going to get in these picks. The known commodity, I think Hawkinson's a great player. He's one of the best players we had on our team. And I think I'm going to have to give the edge to the Vikings in this trade after a further evaluation of, of what it all gets. I thought we were going to get like three picks in this round or in this, excuse me, in this draft coming up and then two in the next. So it would be five total picks, but that's not the case. So after further evaluation, we're getting two, we're giving up two. They're just higher round selections for us. That's not great trade value in my opinion. Um, especially when you're giving up a great player like TJ Hawkinson. Um, so I I'm going to have to give the edge to the, to the Vikings on this one. They didn't just pull our pants down on the uh, playground like maybe we did to them on draft day, I think. But uh, we'll find out in a year if Jamison Williams is the real deal, if that's the case. Um, I, I think it's really kind of neat that Brad Holmes is trading inside the division. Everybody thinks it's such a terrible thing. I just don't see it that way. You have to worry about what you've got to do, right? You got to worry about your team. And, right. Uh, Let me yeah. uh, throw some stats at you because I did I did some digging, and this is something that you usually do, or Greg Rice usually does on the on the main stage. But I did some digging right here, and I don't think that that's one hundred percent accurate. Where you're you're coming from, where we're losing out. For one, I don't think that even. There's only a couple of tight ends that I think that would be worthy of a first or second round pick to begin with. And TJ Hawkinson isn't one of them. If you're not Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, uh, uh, Andrews or Kittle, I don't think that you're in that 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 conversation. So when you're just thinking tight ends in general, serviceable tight ends, I'm thinking third round, you get one third round pick. That's that's pretty good. So. That counteracts the fact that you got two picks. You got a second and a third round pick for TJ Hawkinson, which I thought was really, really good. So PFF says you said he was a top 12 tight end. So he's a top 
12 tight end in receiving tight ends. He's actually ranked eighth in receiving. But if you break down his PFF pass blocking and run blocking, he doesn't even rank in the top 50 tight wow. ends in the league. Lay so them stats on me, brother. I'm laying them on you because here's a, another stat that may surprise you is Brock Wright is only three points behind him as far as PFF catching the ball and catching the ball. And in pass blocking, he's 30 points higher than TJ Hawkinson. So this move may have been just as much as a uh, endorsement of Brock Wright as it is a, um, I mean, really, they tra- they did trade away their top 10 pick from a, a few years back, they did just give him a fifth-year option. But maybe Brock Wright's playing a little bit better than we think that he is, and he is. Right, and we're not at practice. We don't know what rookie James Mitchell is bringing to the table. We did get to see him make one catch in the Miami game. He looked great. Yeah, I, I what did I you say? Commenting. You thought it was DeAndre Swift running <laughs> with the ball. So yeah. we're not at practice. We don't know. Well, they might have a lot of faith in James Mitchell and Brock Wright as a combination, blocking and catching. And, yep. and they don't see TJ Hawkinson as part of their long-term plans. Um, so, so that's fine. Now there were some other trades within this division that are going to affect us, especially since we haven't played the bears at all yet. But I mean, I know the bears did lose Roquan and then, uh, and then they lost Quinn too, but they did gain chase Claypool today. So uh, yeah. I guess I kind of took that part over. But how, what do you? What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are they 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 let go of a Pro Bowl linebacker and they let go of a Pro Bowl defensive lineman to get a wide receiver two from Pittsburgh. Um, so I mean they didn't trade for these players obviously, but I I think they made their their team a little better on the offensive side and a lot worse on the defensive side. So. Um, right. I think I think Detroit, uh, Chicago's in a rebuild. We are in a perpetual rebuild. In <laughs> fact, the the word Detroit comes from a French word, Detroit, meaning rebuild. Oh, okay. So no, I don't know if that's little, true. Hey, it's a little that that may or may not be correct, but I'm totally <laughs> feeling you with that the uh, retois right there. And, and, <laughs> and Miami also got Bradley Chubb from Denver Broncos, so that's oh. a big splash. My the, the rich get richer. Um, their defense was a little weak. The Lions were able to put up 380 yards on them. So uh, they bring in Bradley Chubb. That's really going to help them out there on yep. defense. So I know our, our buddy Reginald Johnson, the, the Miami Dolphin fans, is he's jumping up and down right now, happy with that trade. So big news at the trade deadline. Uh, a lot of other moves around the, the league, but didn't really impact the Lions a whole lot. So we're not going to talk about them here. It's time now. To look ahead to next week. Hope for next week. That's what us Lions fans live on. And I love your graphic here. Motown getting cheesy. It's the not Green easy Bay being Packers cheesy. and their cheesehead fans coming to Ford Field. Uh, Green Bay travels well, so you know that their fan base will be well represented. We were fortunate to have Bill the Packer fan from the NFC North Huddle on our show uh, yesterday on the main stage which everybody, you guys can check that out, uh, is streams live on Facebook every Monday at 6.30. It's Open Mic Monday on the main stage where we take your questions, we take your comments, and we pass them around our panel of so-called experts and run them, <laughs> through, 
we run them through the mill, run them through the sifter and see what shakes out. So, so this will actually be a, a, a streaming live into the NFC North huddle and uh, the Detroit Lions group. We're going to go ahead and stream this in on Saturday. So you're going to get to see Monday's show streamed into the NFC North huddle and the Detroit Lions group this weekend in case you missed it. So uh, that'll give you a chance to join those groups and yeah, maybe even subscribe to our YouTube channel. Green Bay comes in. They've lost four in a row, and that's bad news. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has never, ever lost five games in a row. So uh, they are going to be hungry, and they're going to be looking at the Lions as a way to bounce back. Every single player on that team is going to be looking at this game as a way to get off the schneid and get back to winning. They started out the season, lost their first game, and then they rattled off three in a row. And now, consequently, subsequently, they have lost four in a row. So they come into Ford Field on a four-game skid looking to redeem themselves. And that's going to give the Lions all they can handle. You know why? Because they still have number 12 under center, Aaron Rodgers, who's been a lion killer his entire career. And he loves killing the Lions and the Bears and the Vikings more than anything. <laughs> and uh, he's an assassin. But we are lucky. He's coming in with a depleted wide receiver core and a defense that's struggling. Uh, what are you looking for in this game, Russ, between the Lions and the Packers on Sunday? Uh, the end of the Aaron Rodgers dynasty. I think this is a huge game for both teams, both franchises right here, because really I'm hanging on a thread. I got one foot in and one foot out for, for this season to whether I'm going to start talking about draft picks or where I actually believe they can climb back into the season and make some noise. And this game is everything. Like, you got a wounded Green Bay team. It ain't going to be teed up any better for you than this. He has no wide receivers. He's got, this is the worst start that they may have ever had since his rookie year. So it's not going to get teed up any better for the Detroit Lions to win this game and and really put an end to this Aaron Rodgers beatdown that he's given to the NFC North because I think he is approaching the twilight of his career and it does have to end at some point in time. And the way that their season has started, it really looks like this could be the time. So we're going to figure out a lot this week. So what do you mean you have one foot in and one foot out? You mean on this season? Given up. If the up. Lions lose three more then, Russ, you're telling me they'll be one and nine. What are you going to do, a show about pro wrestling? You just made the list. <laughs> well, we might have to. <laughs> no, um, no. the thing is, is we just have to pivot and talk about the things that are going to be relevant to the team, which once they're out of the playoff contention, and which, look, they can go on a streak, all right? They could win eight or nine games still. You know, they could run right through the rest of the schedule and everybody's looking at me like I'm the homer, but that's all right. That's what we do. We got to stay positive until we're mathematically eliminated and we're not we're, mathematically eliminated right now. We have to stay positive, but we also have to stay realistic. I oh, mean, there, yeah. there are definitely, I, I see five or six for sure winnable games for the Lions. It, it's really tough uh, to be hopeful, but that's what we have. And coming in, I think we, I think you, you make a great point. This is a winnable game. It's a divisional game, so it's always sure. tough. You're in Ford Field. So let's talk about the key matchups of the game. 
Uh, I'm going to start it off, and I'm going to take your your answer. It's going to be their depleted wide receivers against our almost inept DBs. <laughs> it really is. It's like it's the battle of awful, and we can't wait to to see their awful wide receivers against our awful defensive backs. And I, I mean, it's a it's a great chance for one of the two units to get right. Yeah, like the one thing that I do believe that we have over previous Lions teams is youth. Like usually when you're in the middle of the season, it's because the stud guy that you spent a million to $50 million on just, he got injured and there's nobody. The, the guys that are behind the people that got injured for us are the rookies and they're actually showing out in some of the spots. So the fact that you could have continuity, cause you know about band bands like when you start practicing these these guys could start getting the feel for each other and and getting continuity and, and tightness with each other so i'm excited to see if that could happen so there's still excitement for this season for me i have not given up on this season yet right well um you know you make a great point uh they are without their number one receiver alan lazard this week they are without their number one draft pick, Christian Watson, this week. All they have is a rookie from Nevada named Romeo Dubs, who's been playing pretty good. And they have a guy, I can't even pronounce his name. I think it's Toure or Mel Torme or, or <laughs> something. I don't know who they got, some guy over there. Uh, the the Sammy injury report, Watkins, is is also expected to play. Watch, Sammy, will probably, Sammy Watkins will probably light up the Lions. One thing that scares me, though, is they have a great, double-headed running game with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. Uh, against Buffalo, they ran for 147 yards. Aaron Jones did by himself. Um, can the Lions stop this running game? And then you've got Aaron Rodgers, the all-world quarterback, who can take half-ass receivers and make them better. He can throw yeah. them open. And when he's, not, when, you're, when he's playing against a subpar secondary, he normally has a big day. Uh, no matter who the receivers are. So I definitely see the intriguing matchup with the wide receivers against our DBs, and I see the intriguing matchup of our defense against their run game. On the flip side of that, there is our offense against their defense has been struggling, and I think the Lions offense is going to be able to move the ball against Green Bay. So if we can get some semblance of defense, we can win this game. Maybe the firing of Aubrey Pleasant will be enough to fire up that unit, Maybe it'll be enough to fire up, energize the team and the coaching staff and give us enough inertia to get past Green Bay uh, in this tough home matchup. What do you think? Well, um, let me let me ask you a question. What, what if what if Aubrey Pleasant was the problem? What if getting rid of him all of a sudden they bring some semblance of continuity into that defensive backfield and then they put a complete game together because of Aubrey Pleasant? I, wow. I mean, has anybody even entertained that? Ah, no, I don't think so. Just oh, look okay. At the, just look at the tape. It's just SOL then. <laughs> he, no, no, no. I mean, he yeah. plays man coverage. They get burned. So he goes to a zone. They get burned. What else can Aubrey Pleasant do? I mean, now, other than running up and pushing a Warrior back onto his own side of the line of scrimmage, uh, there isn't a whole lot. That, I mean, that come on cornerback oh my gosh I, I mean i just have to bring this back out again just because it's so ridiculous i mean look it at is this ridiculous. look at this that is on your uh, you coach you coach how, how does this even happen that 
somebody has to pay for that and you're not going to just cut a warrior, but somebody had to pay for that. And I was just thinking, it's like, man, well, maybe they, they just are like this and it just ain't happening. And maybe they do bring some semblance back to it. I don't know. Just a thought. So spot. lions are one and six and Packers have lost four straight. Packers made no moves at the trade deadline <laughs> and their fan base is pissed. So is this a bigger game for Green Bay or is this a bigger game for Detroit? Is that is that a loaded question? I, I would have to say. No, no, I already know your answer. You're going to say it's a bigger game for Detroit. No, I'm going to say it's a bigger game for the Green Bay. Oh, wow. Okay. You're surprised hey, you me tonight. Usually you brought up something to build a Packer fan yesterday that was just kind of like, he was like, we've never lost like five games in a row before. And it's like, yeah, when you go 13 and three every year, how in the hell are you going to lose five games in a row? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, they've never been, this is, they're, they're out in the abyss right now. They're in the deep, deep waters and their fan base has no idea how to react. And I loved your response to him as being like, all right, let's just say that it continued for 60 years. That that's our fan base. That's that's it. We we be living in that world like 24-7. Here we are. So is it a bigger game for Detroit? We've been here before. We 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 suck again, but they they're not used to it. So I think it's a it's a way bigger game for uh Green Bay. Uh, I, I bet Green Bay didn't see that coming, that, that, that coming into Ford Field would be a big game, and it's not because of the Lions' record. Uh, <laughs> they're playing the 1-6 and six Lions, and this is a big game for them. Wow, what a switch. Uh, I have to say that I think this is a bigger game for Detroit in the way that I think Green Bay is looking past us. They're, I, they're, this is a gimme. Even though they're on a down year, I think Aaron Rodgers is so arrogant. And that team just thinks they own us. And if if they do come in and own us with a depleted receiving core and they run crazy all over it, that might just demoralize this team to the point where they just give up on Dan Campbell and they stop buying in. I think we're on the precipice of that now. And I think this is a huge game for the Lions to come out of it two and six instead of one and seven. And keep that fire of hope lit. I mean, the pilot light is just flickering right now for hope. And this kicks it up a notch if we can beat Green Bay at home. Division rival. I think it's a big, big game for Detroit. Even bigger than it is for Green Bay. It's time now for our predictions. We're going to predict this Lions game. And I'm going to go first. I think the Lions win the game 27-21. Well, I think that the Lions win the game 28-24. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the Homer Depot. These lock picks have been a lot of fun for me. I, I didn't think I was going to have as much fun making these picks, but it, it's it's been a lot of fun playing these point spreads, and I can see why people gamble. <laughs> yes, Russ, you are. Through eight games, you are 6-2, and two, which is a phenomenal uh, predicting records. So great job. Six to two. You won last week because you took the San Francisco 49ers against the Los Angeles Staffords and, uh, <laughs> they crushed them. It's my the, the Niners beat the Rams at home and that pushed your record to six to two. So kudos to you. Who do you have this week? So, I mean, some of these things, they just kind of talk to me, right? 
So you're you're going through the picks right here, and we just traded T.J. Hawkinson to the Minnesota Vikings, and I, yeah, Hawkinson, Hawkinson. And I do think that he makes a difference. I think he is a definite upgrade, even where they had Irv Smith and Hawkinson is definitely a step above that. And uh, they're only laying three and a half to the Washington Commanders. And there is no way that the Washington Commanders can come in and beat Russell Wayne twice in one year. I just don't think that it can happen. Give me the Vikings. I'll lay the three points. Lock it up. It's three and a half for the record. Give me, uh, yeah, lay, lay three and a half. I'd even give them four. <laughs> so the six and two Russell Wayne show is giving up three and a half on the road to Taylor Heineke and the Washington Commanders, and that's his lock pick of the week. Take it to the bank, folks. <laughs> Time out for my lock pick of the week. I am not doing quite as good as you, but I am definitely doing pretty good. Five and three on the year in my lock picks. And if I could go five and three out of every eight picks, I could quit my job and quit this job and quit every job because I could make enough money uh, if I knew I was going to win five out of eight on every bet. So um, I'm doing pretty good. A little pat on the back for me. I'm going to go back to the well and bet against Chicago Bears again. Uh, Twice this year, I have padded my record against the lowly Bears and busting fields. And I think that Miami's flying high, adding Bradley Chubb on defense is going to energize them even more. And so I'm taking the Miami Dolphins minus five against the Chicago Bears at home. What do you think of that pick? The Bears. The Bears. The Bears. The Bears. The Bears. The Bears. We still got to play them twice. We still got to play the Bears twice, the Lions. So there's still a little pilot light lit of hope for a five or six win season, maybe. There is, you know, and and next week we're going to actually do a show. And, uh, you know, we're going to do a show about the Bears. But we're going to be speaking with Mark Orem from Orem's Forum. He's going to be in the house. This is going to be an exclusive interview. So this is going to be a one-on-one between uh, main event Mike right here and Mark Orem. And really, we want to know about the future of this franchise. And uh, I really want to know what somebody of his clout would think about the future of this franchise. And you can find him on YouTube under Orem's forum and uh, keeps up on all the current stuff. He's very knowledgeable. Uh, It's going to be an honor to have him right here on the the main event for the exclusive interviews for sure. And tell our listeners when that airs. The podcast is going to air on November 10th, which is going to be a week from this Thursday. So this is something new that we're that we've been trying to get going for the last couple of weeks. And Mark Orm was the first one of the the podcasters to step up to the plate. And yeah, that's awesome that we get to to have somebody like Mark on the show. Awesome. I'm excited about it. Well, I think that does it for this edition of the main event 365 podcast. We want to thank everyone for listening. Be sure to head over to YouTube and like our channel and like our content so we can keep this thing going for the producer, Russ Wayne. I'm your host, Main Event Mike, saying God bless you all. Forward down the field. Peace out.